Until his retirement in April of 2020, Bernie served as the Senior Associate Pastor of Christ Covenant Church uh, near Charlotte, North Carolina. And he served on the church's pastoral staff for nearly 30 years, focusing particularly in the realm of pastoral care and discipleship. He was also prior to that in business for 14 years, and he has served in the U.S. Air Force. Bernie has been married to Pat for 41 years. They have five adult children, five grandchildren. In addition to his great love for the church, Bernie really enjoys reading and walking and snow skiing, wow, and boating on the beautiful lakes of North Carolina. He and Pat love nothing more than to have time with their family and opportunities for hospitality in their home. I welcome you, Bernie, and as I said, I believe this book is, is a book that needs to be read by every pastor, every church leader uh, to help their women uh, and help their men to learn how to team together and walk through crises that inevitably come. So let me ask you a little bit about your life. What gives you the greatest joy? I think the only thing I'd add to that biography you just honored me with there, Chuck, is that I came to Christ at the age of 23. And that's been a long time ago, but I purposed that my life would count. My life verse comes from Acts 13.36. It says, David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And I think that'd be a nice way to to do life in Christ. Mm. What brings me joy, in addition to the things you mentioned, uh, the scriptures bring me joy. I, one of the things the navigators instilled in me when I was converted was a love for God's word. And so I uh, spent a good deal of time in it, regularly reading it, meditating on it. That in turn, not only does it bring me joy, but it helps me know what other things might bring me joy, such as relationships. One of the things Scripture speak highly of, and I love, is the church. I have a great love for God's church, and I'm, I'm grieved when she's not doing well, but I'm absolutely elated when she is doing well. The book that we're talking about today, Help Her, in some respects, is one contribution I have attempted to make in my ministry to see that the church flourishes. Well, you know, as I was reading the book, I was thinking to myself, and over my 50 years of pastoral ministry, I had many of those moments when men were dealing with women in crisis. And it was an uncomfortable place for the women to be. And even though at times I brought other women in to basically hold their hands, to be their source of comfort and make them feel more comfortable in a, in a setting that was tough, it rarely worked out well. And uh, that's why I say I wish I had this book growing up in the ministry. So what drove you to organize this kind of outreach in your own local church and then write a book encouraging and equipping others to do the same? In the denomination that I served in for so many years, we have a conviction, a biblical conviction that ordained leaderships reserved for men. And so that begs the question then, what is the place of women in the local church if they are not ordained? And of course, you and I know there are many opportunities for women in a healthy church if the male leadership is willing. And so we saw this gap, particularly as we, to your own 
testimony, we're trying to work with women in distress or women in crisis, that it occurred to us, actually, I can tell the story if you'd like, but in a situation we were in where we realized that we were in over our heads as men working with a distressed woman, in the Lord's providence, he brought along a woman or two to become involved and help us navigate that very complicated matter successfully. And that led, frankly, that was the birth of the ministry we know at our church as the shepherdess ministry. It can be called other things. And what, what led us to write the book was after a decade or more of developing this ministry and doing it well, our denomination asked uh, Anne-Marie and I if we would sit down and author a book that could help other churches in our denomination. And that's what we did. Well, I'm sure along the way, there were some obstacles that you experienced and maybe even with the leadership of the church. What were some of those obstacles and and should pastors be prepared to deal with those obstacles? Yes, uh, I can think of a few obstacles. One, of course, in our tradition, giving one the appearance that we were putting women in positions that might put our scruples at risk around male leadership and offices of ordination we needed to avoid the appearance of that. And so that took wisdom and attention. We also had the challenge of identifying and training godly women who would be effective in a ministry like this. And then, of course, once implemented, we, we needed to help our elders and our deacons who would we would hope would use shepherdesses in their ministry. We had, had to help them, if you will, train them to uh, know how to both logistically or administratively connect with the shepherdess, but also to how to work with them in a collaborative relationship for the welfare of the woman in crisis. So those were three substantial challenges we faced. What do you do or how do you handle the question that maybe women will raise of why are you walking on eggshells with the men here? The men clearly need help handling women in crisis, especially. Why would you be so threatened by us? I've heard that question in the not too distant past. I was in our denomination's headquarters teaching the principles of this book to a whole large gathering of women. And then I did a workshop on the back end of that with women that were very interested in the contents of the book and the ministry that we were promoting. And I heard that question over and over again. I really do think that it's incumbent upon male leadership to see that women have spiritual gifts and are fellow heirs of the grace of life and thus ought to have a meaningful place of ministry in the church, not just be sidelined with their agenda independent of the leadership of the church. No, there's just seemed to me and I believe that's uh, been borne out that the Holy Spirit has a great opportunity in mind for collaborative work, complementarian work between men and women leaders in the church in the care of God's people. In this discussion, women. The women, in my experience in 50 years of pastoral ministry, if I didn't have them, the church would close up. They were so critical yes. and are so critical to the success of any local church. It seems to me the better part of wisdom to figure out how these women can complete us. One fear that male leadership 
can have is that if you give women a significant place in shepherding of the flock, as this ministry does, that they might ask the difficult question, well, what, why wouldn't you ordain me as a deacon or an elder? I think it's important to say here that in my experience, in a large church with lots of women and a large male leadership, not one woman over a decade or more has asked that question. They've actually been honored and thrilled that the male leadership would invite them to this significant place of caring for their sisters in Christ with the male leadership. And so that has never been a challenge for us. And I'm glad to say that. That's great. The woman in question here, I'm thinking of one in particular, discovers that her husband is having an affair. And her husband happens to be one of the elders of the church. He's having a second life, another life, and he's cheating on her, humiliating her. And it comes to the leadership of the church, which is made up of all men. And so in order to get her side of the story, how she discovered all of this, et cetera, we brought her in. And there in front of us, all of the anger and angst came out. So much so that I envisioned that where this was going to go is that she was going to eventually be the one at fault. And I have seen that repeated again and again and again because the men don't get it. That's right. I, I have seen that as well. And it's it, it grieves me. So let's bring this shepherdess in. What role does she play in that scenario I just gave you? I like to say it this way. Um, a shepherdess is a voice for the distressed woman to the male leadership and an advocate for her to the male leadership. But also she is a voice for the male leadership and an advocate for the male leadership into the life of the woman in crisis. That's a really important role. And a good shepherdess can rightly advocate for both. It's not un impossible to do that, particularly if you've got a male leadership that is worthy. So how do you train her? We invest a great deal of time in training. So if I could just quickly give you a few of the mechanics. On the front end, we identify women that could potentially be good shepherdesses. Usually the leadership of the shepherdess ministry will come to us with a list of women, come to the pastors, and we will qualify that list. We might add to it. We might subtract a woman or two from it. But that's not discussed with anyone until that list is firm. And a question might rightly be asked, well, how do you know who those women are? Well, I would say that like men, women leave tracks in ministry. They have reputations. I mean, what makes for a good elder? Why would you ask a man to be an elder or a deacon? Well, it's because they've got a history of ministry. And that's true with women as well. And so it's never been difficult to identify um, godly, competent, mature women who might be good candidates for shepherds. But then we still put them through a year of training once we ask them if they'd be interested, much like and maybe competitive with the training we give to potential elders. We teach them theologically. We have them read good books. We talk about all sorts of things that are important in a role that they would be assuming. And only after all of that training is done over a year, then do we ask them if they are still interested in being shepherdess. 
And if they are, and we believe that they are still candidates for that, then we take their names to our session, our elders for approval. And then we commission them publicly before the congregation because we want them to, we want our women to know who these women are that have been set apart for this important responsibility. Do you ever have women who become the shepherdess who are also spouses to your church leaders? We do have some women who happen to be spouses of our elders and deacons. That isn't a requirement, of course. And more often than not, they will never partner with their own husbands. We have them in a pool of shepherdesses, and they can be called upon by any pastor, elder, or elder. And often our deacons will also ask for shepherdess as well. Talk to the pastor who's watching this right now and walk him through how he could begin to have this kind of ministry in his church. What process should he follow? I would hope a pastor would ask that question. I hope we cultivate curiosity. I would suggest he grab a copy of Help Her and read the stories in it, because the book actually is a collection of stories, anonymous, but nevertheless true, of women and shepherdesses who've worked together. And those are great stories. We were very intentional in selecting particular ones that we thought would merit being read. And so that would be a first thing to do and see if his appetite is wet yet for that. And then I think he might at least pose the idea or the concept to some women that he trusts that are godly in his congregation and see what they their response is and perhaps go from there. Yeah, you leave no question unanswered, especially in the appendices in the back. You have it all outlined right there for them. So I would encourage that pastor who might be listening, get the book and read the book, study the appendices, especially in the back. But what are some of the biggest obstacles to a woman asking for help? That's a great question, because I I think unless the male leadership is doing some of the things we've already discussed, but keeping the ministry visible, then one, just the women may not even know about it, may not know enough to ask. Often women in crisis suffer silently. I don't know if it's particularly in a male-dominated leadership of a church, but I think that kind of suffering crisis tends to isolate men and women sometimes, and we find out later than we wish. So the idea of keeping it uh, the ministry visible through a women's ministry, if there is one, uh, because our shepherdess ministry is a has always been a part of our women's ministry, and it gets a lot of attention there. Also, whenever we enter into a situation where there is a woman in crisis, a shepherding matter, where there's a woman involved, we will always ask. We will talk about our shepherdess ministry and ask, would you like a shepherdess to come alongside you? I don't know if I've ever heard a woman say no. And so I think women sometimes, not only for lack of knowledge, wouldn't ask, but also if she's in sin, that's its own obstacle because she might not want that to be known. Male leadership is intimidating, and maybe she knows the elders from afar, but feels a little intimidated about approaching a male officer or a pastor to ask for help. So I think those are several reasons why we want to make sure that women know there's a ministry that's designed to help them when times of crisis or calamity arrive. And I think by doing that, most women will 
ask for help. So the shepherdess comes into the conflict there in front of the elders or leaders of the church. Is her role to sit there and hold their hand? She's become a, when I say an advocate, let me also use the word friend of this woman. She's got to establish trust with her. She's got to be a good listener. The woman has to know that in a sense that this shepherdess has her back appropriately and will speak for her. Often women really in crisis or in distress struggle to find words. They can only find tears. And so to have a shepherdess with her who can often, yes, in front of male leadership, speak for her and be her voice really makes a difference. The leadership of the church. I'm envisioning there's 10 men sitting there and uh, one shepherdess and the victim of some form of abuse. And what happens if the shepherdess begins to sense that the direction of the meeting is going the wrong way and that she disagrees with the leadership in the approach that they're taking. How does she handle that? Well, I think first off, that shepherdess is part of a pastoral team. So she's never working in isolation from a pastor or elders. And so that team kind of is point as point responsibility for that particular woman or her situation. Out of that relationship with the pastor or elders, there's already trust in place. And hopefully, out of collaborative discussion over the matter, a consensus of opinion. But that shepherdess is free to give another perspective that maybe the, the men in the matter don't have or haven't thought about. And we want our shepherdesses to have their own voice and not shrink back just because they're working with male leadership. And so a lot of the training and the selection of women is intended to make sure that what you suggest could happen won't happen. I actually haven't run into that in my own experience. It's not to say there have been differences of opinions, but I'm not aware of them. And maybe those differences are discussed in private with the pastor or the elder and the shepherdess before they ever get. But we have had, uh, so let's say in our tradition, the matter is adultery of a husband. And that that's probably marital estrangement for one reason or another is the biggest or the most common scenario for us, but it's not the only one by far. To ask for a divorce or to seek a divorce, um, we ask a man or a woman who believes they have biblical prerogative to do that, to meet with the elders, to discuss that, because we don't want them leaving the marriage in an unbiblical way. And so if it's the woman that's asking that, one of the things we ask of her is to meet with a body of about 10 elders, and she will always be with her shepherdess, and we will talk about that, but we have that discussion. And that's where I think the shepherdess really shines, is when there's a, a five or a 10 on one, if you will, of male leaders with a woman. Mm -hmm. I do want to say, though, I think our elders and pastors, and I would hope this to be true of every church, although you and I both know of exceptions, honor and esteem women enough to not do additional harm to them when they're already crushed. I do know of exceptions to that, but for the most part, I think you're right. Are there more happy or sad endings? I'm glad to report we have our share of happy endings. The first story in the book, Help Her, 
is one of those stories. It's the, it was the story that convinced me and a few others that there was real potential in a shepherdess ministry to secure outcomes like we experienced in that first story, where you had a husband and a wife that were highly estranged and had been for a long time. And it looked like the marriage was certainly going to fail. But with the approach we took, that eventually became our shepherdess ministry, that couple not only reconciled, and it took time, and both had sin that had to be confessed, and that there was a serious process of reconciliation, but they not only reconciled, that man became an officer in our church. It is a huge advocate of what we're talking about today. In a fallen world, Chuck, we have our share of situations that don't end the way we would hope. Some of those stories are in the book as well. I have several in my head as I'm sitting here speaking with you, but in those situations, then we continue to escort that woman despite the outcomes that we had hoped for. We continue to do our best to escort her through what remains. Yeah, inevitably, there is a woman who a shepherdess and or the leaders of the church cannot handle. At what point do you realize we need to take a different direction here? Well, we've got other resources at our disposal. So the shepherdess ministry in our church doesn't exist in isolation from all the other ministries. So we've got a counselor on our staff. We can often refer and do often refer out for clinical counseling if we deem that prudent. We've got a a really significant ministry that puts teams together to come alongside person or a family that's in crisis to leave them with physical needs. Like, let's say a woman is left by her husband and, and the responsibility for cutting the grass and paying the bills and getting a, maybe a parent that's living with her to doctor's appointments, whatever it may be, that wife is left with an immense burden. Well, we've got, we can put a team around her of members of the congregation who will literally do those things for her. And that's a really helpful in crisis. How would you advise a woman thinks to herself, boy, I wish I had that ministry in my church. What would you suggest is the proper way for her to proceed with trying to get it on board? Well, I would urge her to do the same thing I suggested if a pastor was interested, I would probably get a copy of the book and read it. So in doing that, she becomes something of a, not an authority necessarily, but informed. And I would then approach her pastor or maybe a key elder that she knows has a relationship with and have a conversation about it and perhaps put the book in the pastor's hands and urge him to read it and, and then have a follow-up discussion with him. I think there's something to be said. One of the things I, I'm working with another church right now that doesn't have this ministry in, in my retirement, pastoring part-time elsewhere, and I am thinking that I should put a copy of that book in the elder's hands, in the new senior pastor's hands when, when he arrives. But I thought about asking one of the other staff members to identify several women that are godly, that would be candidates for a shepherdess ministry and have him ask them to read that book and give him some feedback so that there's a, a beachhead of sorts in place when that new pastor arrives that could be the basis for a conversation. I would find it very difficult uh, to read this book 
and not walk away thinking to myself, I need to get this in my church because the book is so complete. It answers all the questions that a pastor like myself would have. And so maybe you could share one story of a woman who was helped through this ministry in your local church. I shared one story a few minutes ago uh, of this couple whose lives had gone in very separate directions. He was very busy and away from home a lot with his career. And she was left with children. They had both come up in families of origin that were dysfunctional. And so there was a collision, if you will, of their families of origin dysfunction, a collision of their career pursuits and a lack of time together. You and I have seen that a lot even in healthy families. And so she, she indeed had become very, very bitter. He was not attentive to her growing bitterness. And and in the process, he sinned against her pretty greatly. No infidelity to my knowledge, but just words that kill, words that destroy rather than words that give life. And it started going both ways. And so you can imagine that the way they were living together Rather than drawing them together in the limited time they have, it actually made matters worse. And by the time it got to us, it looked like divorce was definitely in their future in the near term. But the wife, the wife asked a godly woman she knew to to come and meet with her and talk about the matter. And it just happened to be our director of women's ministries. And I, as I share with you, that ended very well. Well, you have certainly whet the appetites to at least get a hold of the book and read it. But I know you've developed some other supplemental teaching resources. Where can we get those? Tell us about those and where listeners can either review or purchase them. Our denomination's Committee on Discipleship, who asked us to write this book, help her, is actually the one place I know it can be gotten is from the PCA bookstore, the Presbyterian Church in America's bookstore. You can just Google that PCA bookstore, and that book is readily available there. We've also produced a supplement to that book, which is nothing more than usable, kind of transferable forms and other things that we are using uh, to administrate the ministry. Because while it can be done more simply, I suppose, we've perfected it, if you will, so that it runs like a clock. And Mm. so this supplement contains a lot of forms that someone that wants to do something like this can borrow from. And that's helpful. I think it's in a Word word document and usable that way. You're listening to uh, Bernie Lawrence, uh, who co-authored a book, and it's a church-wide response to women in crisis. And if you go to markinc.org, we'll have all of that contact information there, the links to the to the supplemental resources. All of that will be there for you to gather that information together. And I want to encourage those of you to take very seriously this ministry of developing a a ministry that shepherds women with women, with women. And I want to encourage you to take it very, very seriously because so many situations fall through the cracks because people are not properly trained to know how to deal with a woman in crisis. Some women don't know how to do it. Most men don't know how to do it. To get the training necessary, to get the expertise in your local church, I think is critical for, especially for this next generation. 
I wish I had this material when I was pastoring. It would have been so helpful to know how to incorporate some very gifted women into a ministry of, of crisis that many men don't know how to handle. I thank you, Barney, for this interview. I thank you for writing the book. You've done an outstanding service to the ministry of the church. I want you to, as, as listeners here, I want you to get a hold of that book. We'll go to our website. We'll show you how to do it. It's all very simple, but sometimes on a podcast like this, you may not be able to get all that data down. And we'll, we'll connect you to the Help Her authors to help you to understand more about this ministry. You know, God is a God who is sovereign and he can be trusted. And I want to encourage those of you who may be in crisis right now, that there is help available, if not in your local church. Marking Ministries has put together a counseling ministry and we have counselors all over the country right now in what we call Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling. These are all well-trained men and women in counseling who can sit down with you virtually and walk through whatever crisis you might be facing. If you're fortunate enough, blessed enough, I should say, to have a church that has adopted this kind of a ministry, you're halfway home. Uh, Because I really think that this can help you help others in your local church. If you want to download our app, that would be a good thing for you to do. Just go to any of your favorite app stores and download what we call Help and Hope. And everything that Marking Ministries does is right there, including a link to our counseling ministry. You'll see links to uh, Bernie's ministry and uh, the things that he's trying to develop and the things that are happening in not only his local church, but hopefully many, many others as this book gets out there. So Bernie, once again, thank you so much. The most important thing someone can do is come to faith in Christ and understand that there's salvation in him. That work has has been completed by the one who died on the cross to forgive our sins. Because eventually and ultimately, anybody in crisis is either there because of sin in their own life or the effects of sin in another person's life. That's where we fail. We fall short of the glory of God. But our God is an awesome God who has shown and demonstrated his love toward us when he sent his son to give his life for our sins. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C dot org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.